Welcome to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered with Perry Clark. This program looks at mental health from unique perspectives and shows you how to manage your life by finding the knots that help you and stay away from the ones that could be a disadvantage. Now, here is your host, Perry Clark. Hello, and welcome back to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. I want to remind you that this this podcast is not a substitute for therapy. I strongly recommend you seek therapy with someone in your local area who can better suit your unique skills. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. So I want to welcome you all back to our next this podcast as we have as you heard, we'll start at the beginning. I had to do some changing of the names because I made some mistakes in my research and found out there were some other names out there. So using the principle of how can we extend the name, we're adding on to the standpoint of saying minds and souls untethered. And as my as I was checking in with our guest today, pointed out is like this is just getting deeper into what this podcast is, because a bunch of this is also being developed in some ways as we go along. Uh, one of the co- people I was talking to uh, on our previous one, uh, Monet Goldman, was asking about, well, are you talk- talking more about yourself? And I said, no, I think this is going to be the, one of those things that we develop as we go along. And you're going to learn more about me from the podcast and the folks that I talk to. So for today, we're going to be talking with Shelly Bates. Shelly Bates is a certified EMDR and brain spotting uh, practitioner, a brain spotting consultant and facilitator for BIPOC brain spotting trainings. Shelly is an author, a counselor, a teacher, mentor, and has an uncanny gifted ability to stretch you into the beyond. Shelly is the founder of the Butterfly Effect Counseling and Consultation Center in Rich, Richfield, or sorry, Richson, Texas, where she works with women of color to recover from trauma trauma, and finding their unique gifts and power. She's also known as the Black Bag Therapist. So welcome to Untying Knots, Shelley. Thanks, tell us, Yeah, Tell us a little bit of how you got started in the counseling field and where did you get this interesting moniker from? Yeah, well, um, first to thanks again for having me on today. So um, I worked in the legal field for over 13 years, and so... The shift to to become a licensed professional counselor was a divine shift. It was not something that I was looking for, mm-hmm. um, but it looked it came and it found me. And so once I received the word to make that shift over, I went back to school, and it was such a fast process. Uh, it was within three months uh, that I applied to go back to grad school, uh, and it's just been history in the making from there. Mm-hmm. I've had kind of a similar story when the particular moment, as I spoke about when we were talking, when I was talking to Tracy, was I sort of had that moment where it just I've heard in my head saying, go study psychology. That was pretty much March. I was looking at schools in April. Mm-hmm. By May, I was writing my entry uh, notification. No. Yeah. By May, I was writing my entry notification and going in for interviews. And by June, it was like, yeah, you're accepted. And it's like, Okay, now we're on this path. <laughs> wasn't like I had planned ahead or specifically had uh, you know saved the money for it. It's like okay, well, this is the new hustle. 
Yes, absolutely. Because I, I had thought I was going to go to law school for many, many years. Mm-hmm. So um, the shift was definitely divine. And I'm like you, it happened in, I got the word in April and I was in school that August. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the black bag therapist, uh, where did that come from? That came from um, actually when I went to the brain spotting conference training um, in Atlanta back in 2018, I believe it was. And I was at the Atlanta airport and I saw this sign that said something along the lines of everyone has a black bag. So make sure the black bag that you grab is yours. And when I saw that, 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 that saying just stuck with me. And, and I just, as I was on the, the airplane, um, on the flight back home, I just began to really ponder that. And what came to mind is that we all have baggage. Mm-hmm. Everybody has a black bag of experiences, whether it's positive experiences, negative experiences, we all come into life with that. So it's not just our black bag that we're carrying, mm-hmm. but it's the, that of generations past. So mm-hmm. transgenerationally, intergenerationally, we all come in with this black bag. And so my role as the black bag therapist is to help you to not be afraid to look in that bag. Let's figure out what's in there, what we can use, what, how we can redefine or reframe those things that are in our black bag, and also what we can add, right? What tools and life lessons and, and coping mechanisms, things that we can bring into that black bag, because the black bag never leaves. We just mm-hmm. want to make sure that whatever bag it is that we have been given, that we can heal from the things that are in there, as well as use the things that are in there. Mm-hmm. So that's how I became the black bag therapist. Oh, yeah. And I was just thinking when I was, uh, my partner and I were traveling for our trip this uh, last summer. It's like, yeah, I did see that signs talking about the similarities, the black bag, but it's like, oh, you just took it to such a different <laughs> level as that's, well. <laughs> that's the creativity in me that I see these things and um, and it just goes to such depth with me. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I see how you can find that aspect of stretching people into the beyond. Yes. Yeah. Because it's not fun to look in that black bag. But if we can learn to reframe them, those experiences and gain some insight, some strength, you know, whatever it is that we need, mm-hmm. um, we're the better for it. Right. We're the better for it. So, mm-hmm. and again, we're, we have it, so we might as well take it and use it mm-hmm. and just make sure it's ours. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very much so. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, and I think you were talking about the training that we had, the first BIPOC training yes. we had in. Yeah. So, we were both at that for that one in Atlanta. <laughs> and, wow, here we are now. Yes, absolutely. That, w- that was a life-changing experience. Mm-hmm. It really was. So, in... And so before, before we get into one of our other little topics, I'm kind of interested, what is it like for you running your own uh, counseling and consultation practice like? I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, you know, um, part of that shift from, you know, I was a legal assistant for many years, part of that shift from moving from legal assistant to therapist 
part of that was the vision mm-hmm. of what this would look like. So I received my name, the name of my private practice, Butterfly Effect Counseling and Consultation Center. I received the name back then before I went to school. Mm-hmm. I saw images of what it was supposed to look like, which it looks very similar to what it looks like today in the office space that I'm in. So um, so back then I kind of knew I had the, the path was already laid out for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this this jump into private practice, which I've been in private practice now for almost almost two years. It seems like forever, <laughs> but it's only been about two years. Um, actually, two and a half. But um, it's been phenomenal. I love mm-hmm. the freedom of being able to show up in my full self, mm-hmm. and that's cre- my creative self, my serious self, my my um, funny self, like all of that, being able to show up unhinged, unhindered, and and help women heal. Mm-hmm. I love that I get to specialize and narrow it down to the population that I say it's my jam, right? My jam is working with women who have experienced sexual trauma and women who have experienced um, relational trauma. Like that is my jam. That's my lane where I'm gifted, right? Mm-hmm. That's where I, I, I love being and helping and healing. And so it has just been a phenomenal ride. Um, I thought about expanding, but um, I don't know if I'm quite there yet, but mm-hmm. it's just been, just, just been a, a, an eye-opening. There have been some challenges along the way, some growth along the way, some growing pains along the way, but it's, it's been a beautiful beautiful experience so far. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I know I'm, my own aspects of even doing this podcast is one of those strange places we grow because I know my practice is coming to, at the end of this year, it will be three years it's been running. And it's like, what are the places that as we finally get our practices stabilized from being startups, mm-hmm. what, do we, what do we do and what do we grow from there? And we can probably talk a little more about business development in the second half. But I know one of the reasons I wanted to have you come on the podcast was this very interesting uh, tool that I figure you use with your when you're working with your clients, which are the body grounding <laughs> body sound grounders. <laughs> body sound grounders. My apologies. So body sound grounders. So yes. tell me about this this thing that you have cre- I've created to win to use in your work. Yes. So I I believe in being a first partaker of, of the fruit. And so whatever it is that I have been given to create, I use it. It's it's created for me first. Mm-hmm. And so I um I am a strong believer in self-care and trying to keep myself in this calm place. And and so I experiment with things that would be helpful for me. Mm-hmm. And um and so I've always had this fascination with sound. Mm-hmm. And so in the process of, cre- of just being in this creative space, um, I began to experiment with different sounds and how it impacted me mm-hmm. um, in keeping me in that calm space. And, and that's kind of how the body sound grounders were, were developed, was just through being curious about different sounds and how it impacted me on a in a nervous system way mm-hmm. um 
and and because I love um, color and I'm you know in color t- also there's there's so much around the psychology of colors um, and I consider myself to be an artist if you will mm-hmm. uh, of course that is sh- me how I see myself and so I just um, and I love working with wood so just bringing all of these things that interest me into this space of creativity. Um, these body sound grounders were birthed. And so what it what they are is um, sometimes I will use real wood and um, and put things into the real wood to um, create a sound. And then we take that wood and you it's like a shaker, right? And you shake it, you listen to the sound. We're bringing in sight because you're looking at the visual aspect of the body sound grounders the colors. Um, and then we're also bringing in the tactic, tactile, right? Mm-hmm. So the touch. So we're bringing all of these things into place to help bring a sense of mindfulness, mm-hmm. uh, of groundedness, of connectedness, and calming mm-hmm. and relaxing. And so I use them all the time throughout the day. Um, just again to to just calm my nervous system. Mm-hmm. Um, there is something about sound and our ears. Um, they contained this particular nerve, and I won't try to pronounce it because I can't. I know if I say it, it's it's like vestibule vestibule clear nerve. I'll just call it the V nerve. Um, mm-hmm. But that particular nerve is connected to the vagus nerve, mm-hmm. and we know that part of our vagus nerve also is the parasympathetic nerve, nerve mm-hmm. which is that rest digest, that kind of calming place. And so mm-hmm. when we are using the sound, right, we are activating the parasympathetic part of the nervous system that then says, hey, kind of calm down. So these sounds are um, sending information to the vagus nerve that's just, again, saying, relax. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's how they again it was for me first. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was at a conference and showed them to a couple of colleagues and they were like, you should sell these. I need some of these. How do I order? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I said, hmm. they said, do you have a website? And I said, no. So I came back and kind of quickly got something together and um, and now I sell them to other colleagues and I also use them with clients. Right, so just the same way you we would use any other any other calming skill um, mm-hmm. or any other calming tool is the same way you would use your body ground sounders, body mm-hmm. sound grounders, right? With clients, mm-hmm. right? So you invite mm-hmm. them to, you know, to pick them up and and to just notice the colors, notice the texture, and mm-hmm. then notice the sound, mm-hmm. right? And just giving them the freedom to to experiment with it to create with and in, to just use them mm-hmm. to get to that place of sound of, of uh, calm mm-hmm. um, as well you know so it doesn't matter if they are feeling overwhelmed um, or if they are dissociating whatever is going on these this, these body sound grounders can be used to kind of bring them back into the here and now mm-hmm. yeah. very much so yeah I very much support that standpoint of it starts with you. And as I was talking with um, Monet is the fact of the matter is one of the things that isn't often talked about is that our, as therapists, we are the tool. 
Mm-hmm. We have to be able to be able to be in there and use what we have to be able to function in this, as well as getting our nervous systems set up to be able to co-regulate with the other persons. So these, the tools and the building, the body grounders sounders uh, helps you regulate your system and in in its own way helps the other person regulate their system. Absolutely. I'm wondering, without breaking confidentiality, could you just give us a small sort of snippet of a situation that you had dealt with and use the grounders in to help the person reach that state where they could process more and help resolve some of the trauma they were dealing with. Absolutely. So the first time that I used the body sound grounders, and we'll just call them BSGs just just to make it easy. Mm -hmm. Um, But the first time that I used the BSGs was with a client who um, had a was challenged with a lot of dissociation, just really being disconnected from from body, disconnected from self, and um, and so in the session, you know, and I had and this was before COVID, um, mm-hmm. I had the the BSGs on the table and just invited the client to pick them up and to tap them just lightly. Mm -hmm. And just to notice the sound. And as she did that, as this client did that, I would check in periodically to say, what are you, what are you noticing? And the client could feel herself coming back into the room. Mm -hmm. And so that was one of the tools that we used to help the client to come back from dissociation. So then we use that tool, um, so I sent them home with the client as with the, the, I call them life work assignments. I don't call it homework, but with the life work assignment to use the, the BSGs. So, and the moment that you begin to feel yourself disconnecting or you feel yourself floating away or, or moving out of um, connection with self, then to just grab them and just tap them, mm-hmm. right? Until you come back too. And so the client began to use that. And then using the image, using the visual part of the BSGs as a way to, um, um, for guided imagery, mm-hmm. right? So sometimes that intentional guided imagery, that place of kind of connecting with something that is calming and grounding is, is also a form of dissociation, but it's an intentional form of dissociation. Mm-hmm. And so then also bringing in the image, you know, inviting, again, inviting her, the client to look at them um, and then to shake them as necessary. And so that client um, became very comfortable and very confident in using the BSGs. Mm-hmm. And, um, And when I tell you we added brain spotting to this, I know we'll talk a little bit about that later, Mm -hmm. but when with brain spotting, this client, um, particular client received one of the most um, phenomenal healings um, in the most, I was in such a way, I mean, it was, it was so quick and so deep um, that within a year, like within a year, discharged Mm. and so 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 this is this was the first time in actually bringing forth the bsgs with the client and Mm -hmm. um just with dissociation Mm -hmm. beautiful 
And so that also actually breeds leads to another area, which I think can, still connects with what the BSGs, with the brain spotting, and also the EMDR in the standpoint of how these systems don't necessarily work from, shall we say, the top down or the whole frontal lobe and, um, as David puts it, the uh, thinking brain, it works through the bottom up, through the sensory system. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's one of the things that the BSGs can do, right? Because, you know, again, it's, it's, it's an external way of the client connecting with something and it connects with them also internally. It's subconscious, right? It's a nervous system thing that happens when, mm-hmm. when you are bringing in sound and sight and tactile. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. It's powerful. And for those wondering, when I said David, I was speaking about David Grand, the founder mm-hmm. of the brain spotting uh, systems and such. So, but I know that there are those who push very much saying like EMDR versus brain spotting. Just in a nutshell, before we go to break, what do you think? What's, what's your feelings there since you're trained in both of them? Is it more a matter of these are the tools for certain situations or is there more broader use? What do you, what do you got to say there? Um, I, th- I love both brain spotting and EMDR and it's totally client led. Mm-hmm. So I, invite and I educate about both of those processes. And then I invite the, the client to, to be curious about which one they would like to try. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so sometimes we try both just as a way of experimenting. Um, but I'm, I'm, I think it's really important for the client to, to be able to make the choice on what mm-hmm. they would like to use. Um, and sometimes they're open to both, <laughs> right? Which I think is what you're also saying very much is something that sometimes is sort of lost in the image and ideas around therapy and the standpoint of what's the client getting to advocate for themselves, Absolutely. which especially after they have been through a traumatic experience, depending on what it is, that ability to advocate might have been taken away, which is part of why the trauma happened. So mm-hmm. the fact that they get to make the choice of whether it's like they'll work with EMDR, they'll work with the brain spotting, they'll work with the BSGs is a very important thing in helping someone become back to healing. Right. Offering choice and the autonomy, right, to make that choice. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's so important, right, that we model that as therapists. Mm-hmm. So much of our work is also in the modeling. Mm-hmm. Not just this idea of like, oh, yeah, somebody's sitting there and just telling them what to do. It's like, no, 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 no. We don't. We try not to tell you what to do because ultimately, as I think what this one article put it is, you still have to live with the consequences of this. And the mm-hmm. idea of us telling you removes you from that aspect of living with the con- consequences, but also living without access to what you advocated for. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I think also, you know, sometimes if you, if that choice has been taken away from you, you know, clients don't know how to advocate. Mm-hmm. Right? So I think, again, even if a client, you know, doesn't know, right, or they don't know what saying, yes, I'd like to try this even looks like, mm-hmm. that we can help them to be curious. Okay, well, if you, if you could guess, you know, um, which one, 
or pick a number between one and two. So there are so many different ways that we can help the client to learn how to advocate and then to sit comfortably in the choice that they made. So mm-hmm. 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 truly beautiful mm-hmm. and truly something that despite what we learn in school, we also learn once we start moving out into the field. Oh, yes. <laughs> it's like night and day. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. Because so, we come in from that place, you know, that we are the experts, mm-hmm. right? And, and, I, and what I am learning is I am not the expert in, in the client's healing. Their nervous system, their system is the expert, Mm-hmm. Because be- before they even came to me, their system was keeping them functioning. They were surviving, mm-hmm. right, with whatever means necessary. Sometimes, you know, um, we we look at um, the action or the behavior, right? So I'll take mm-hmm. take alcohol. So someone, you know, I used to have challenges with alcohol. So that for me, that was a way to suppress you know, the, 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 the painful experiences or whatever was going on with me. As maladaptive as that is, it was the, the, the choice, the thing that my system said, this is what's going to help you to, to be able to make it through. Mm-hmm. So as maladaptive as it is, it's, it's, it was the way of, of survival. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I think that um, when the clients come in, they are the experts we just we have some additional information that can be helpful mm-hmm. perspective. in their healing journey. Yeah, having a bigger perspective that they can't have because, especially in that standpoint of trying to survive, you can't get tunnel vision. Your mm-hmm. field of vision is what's going to keep me alive in the next minute, the next hour, the next day. Right. Right. And so many people are in that. What is going to keep me surviving as opposed to classically, what's going to keep me thriving? Mm-hmm. So using the BSGs, using brain spotting, using EMDR is to get people to expand and be able to move beyond just surviving. Yes. And then they also get a different language or different ideas about different tools. So I no longer have to use alcohol now I can use my BSGs or now I can use meditation or now I can use, um, you know, exercising or yoga or whatever it is, right? That then replaces that as they heal, right? mm-hmm. then those things shift also. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a great place for us to take a break. Okay. So, uh, just hang on. We're going to step away for just a moment and we'll be back with more here on Untying Knots. Our lives and the world around us can get messy and frustrating. Untangle and Grow Counseling's focus is to untangle that mess and make sense of it so you have a good foundation to build and grow from. Visit us on the web at untangleandgrowcounseling.com. Perry Clark offers individual psychotherapy, couples and family therapy, and adolescence therapy from a variety of coping materials and resources. Visit untangleandgrowcounseling.com for more information. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. 
You are listening to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. If you have a question or comment about our podcast, send an email to pclark at untyingknotspodcast.com. That's pclark at untyingknotspodcast.com. And now, back to the program. Welcome back to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. We're sitting here talking with Shelley Bates, the black bag therapist. So we've just talked a bit about the BSGs and uh, the aspects of brain spotting and EMDR, but let's come back and, as I said during earlier, we talked a bit more about brain spotting and the BIPOC training that we both attended back in, I think it was like, yeah, 2018? Mm-hmm. Yes. It was 19. Kind of feels like it was 19. No, it was 2019. 19, Cause I know, yes. Yeah, because I know it's like 2018. I was basically getting the paperwork together to start my practice. And this was one where this was the first very much focused BIPOC training that was all people of color mm-hmm. or BIPOC, which is black indigenous people of color. Uh, so what was your take on that experience? I don't know if I have the adequate words to express. It was just <laughs> phenomenal. Mm-hmm. It was um, it was mind blowing. It was overwhelming with inf- it was information overload, <laughs> but it was just um, it was such a beautiful space to be in. Mm-hmm. You know, with all of these BIPOC people coming in and and just all wanting to learn about this modality. Um, this wonderful healing modality. I mean, it's just, it was just phenomenal. It, mm-hmm. I, it, it, yeah. You, you can say I can barely, I can barely speak about it, but it was wonderful. But at the same time, based off that experience, then you moved further into the consultation and the facilitating standpoint, which I know I, I took me probably about a another half a year or so just because of the aspects of running the business and then hitting, being hit with, pandemic before I was able to get my certification in and I was able to focus on it. What was it for you? Because you got to that style a lot faster than I did. Um, well, so I think for me, once once I had went through the phase one um, and I feel like my eyes were opened, you know, that this mm-hmm. modality had such the capacity to heal more than just myself Um and my experiences, um, but learning about the depth of the mm-hmm. healing that was occurring with brain spotting, uh, for me, it was, it just was so much, it was something that I felt like this is, this was the missing piece. Like, this mm-hmm. is what I need because, you know, we get into this field because we want to help people to heal. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was such, there's such a freedom to using brain spotting and, you know, to making it your own, that to me, it just fit me uh, who, as a person um, just so well. So I, I knew that this, that I needed to go further in it. And mm-hmm. so, um, so after, after um, the initial phase one, then I started looking at when the next phase two was going to occur. Mm-hmm. Um and I think right around that time is when um, COVID happened because that was 2019. Yeah, COVID mm-hmm. happened. And so then it became virtual. And for me, that was a game changer. Mm-hmm. So I just felt like, okay, nothing can stop me now. So 
<laughs> you know, it's virtual. I don't mm-hmm. have to pack a bag. I don't have to worry about trying to find my black bag. Like it, <laughs> I'm there. So, mm-hmm. um, so I just mm-hmm. knew that I needed to go as far as I could, learn as much as I could, and really, really settle in on everything that I could find out about brain spotting mm-hmm. so that I could then bring it to not only bring it to my clients, but because of the, the teacher in me that loves to teach and to help, how can I then bring it to others and facilitate mm-hmm. their learning process? Mm-hmm. And so for me, it was just like a green light go. path, go, yeah, do it. So it was a no brainer for me. Yeah. Yeah, and likewise, as I've, I think I've, I've taken phase two, I've taken phase three. I know I said I'm on a master class, and I know we've got another master class that's going to be coming up that's going to be entirely BIPOC in somewhere in the next year or two. So I know that's one to go on. Mm-hmm. But I think you also brought up something that, too, because I did want to talk also about the standpoint of business. You've been, your practice has been running for two years. Mine's coming up on three years. Both of our practices as new, essentially new practice owners have been running during this pandemic. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of curious too, what's it been like as not just a, a new practice owner, but also business owner? Because I don't often hear, I mean, there's plenty of practice building podcasts out there, mm-hmm. but ones that are also specifically focused towards us as BIPOC and our experiences around that, that's something I don't hear as often. Mm -hmm. Usually it's finding the needle in the haystack because I know there's at least somebody out there with that. But what's been your experience there? Yeah, um, it's been a lonely experience for sure. Mm. Um, You know, I've I've found myself, you know, reading a lot of books and trying to figure out how to do this business sense. And that's one thing that they don't teach you in grad school. Boy, they need Mm -hmm. to make a class about that by itself. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, for those that are even thinking about going into private practice. So, um, yeah, interestingly enough, um, I had, I was moving from one office to my current office space and had just signed the lease in February and then COVID happened and I was set to move in the first part of March. And so, um, I haven't been really been even holding therapy from, from my office for a year and a half because of COVID. Hmm. And so just trying to manage, okay, how, how am I managing keeping this office open with no clients in it and moving to teletherapy? That was a, that was a huge shift, mm-hmm. um, a quick shift, as I'm sure most therapists, you know, had to all of a sudden, you know, mm-hmm. in the office today, not tomorrow. Um and so um, I think for me, um, one of the things that was helpful for me was, was being in a Facebook community of like-minded therapists who were having the same challenge and just getting that feedback and encouragement, you know, mm-hmm. that we're going to make it, um, you know, make the shift, um, you know, and so just, just knowing that I wasn't alone was really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um and, 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 you know, and so the, the, the business aspect of it, um, you know, was really just me reading. I'm an avid researcher anyway. Mm-hmm. So just reading to get that information on what that would look like, experimenting with it. Um, the other thing was kind of just really learning how to hold boundaries. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think when we first get into private practice, we feel like we have to take everyone and we have to have our office open 
all hours of the night, mm-hmm. just because a client decides that, says that they can only come in at nine o'clock. And we say, mm-hmm. oh, okay, I can do nine o'clock PM. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so, you know, really learning to create healthy boundaries for myself, for my business. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was the, another one of the challenges that I had. But again, um, being in Facebook groups and um, being able to ask questions, I think that's always helpful. Um, because it, again, it helps you to know that you're not alone and there are people that have gone before you that are open and available to supporting you and helping you to get clarity in your journey. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I did, so those two things, reading and asking questions in, um, Facebook groups that I'm part of was really helpful, um, to just kind of trying to figure out how to run the business aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, moving over to teletherapy um, has been a wonderful experience. I'm I'm enjoying it. I, I have kind of this love hate relationship. I love being doing teletherapy, but I miss my office. <laughs> so sometimes mm-hmm. I will go in and I'll dance in my office, do some, you know, dancing mindfulness, and just um, or go up and sit in there and read or do some essential oils or beat my drums because I have, uh, I want to do drum therapy. Mm-hmm. You know, so I have all of these things that are there um, that I, I'm enjoying right now mm-hmm. until mm-hmm. things change. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's also a convenient way when you need to get away from the family too. True, 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 true. Yes. yes. This is my space. Yes. Yes. Definitely. So. Definitely. But I think that's one of those things that we also, even it's also as a people are also struggling as we move into this field of the idea that we have to stay for many stay in the community mental health standpoint or working for an agency or working for the county that this option of being a private practice essentially businessman business person is something we can do absolutely and there it, it's so doable it's so doable and so i you know i I encourage those who are curious about it, right, to to get into a group and ask questions of what it was like, because it's so doable. There's so much freedom and flexibility um, that comes along with being being in private practice. Is it work? Yes, but guess what? It's also work being at an agency. It's more mm-hmm. work. Okay, mm-hmm. so you get to decide: Do I want the more work, or do do I just want work? <laughs> you're going to get it either way. Right. Very much so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think that too also comes down because as you did say, it can be lonely. And I know from my side of things is it's only lonely if you basically don't go out and try to connect with people. Mm-hmm. So being part of the, uh, our, our first BIPOC training and so forth, not only was it the training and so forth, it was also a way of networking. Mm-hmm. If you're not part of consultation groups, those are other ways that you're being in connection with people, even though, yeah, you've got your office and you've got your, your space. But you, yeah, you're going to be lonely if you don't also try to find, find a way of connecting with people. Absolutely. And I think, you know, there's so many negative things that have happened because of COVID, COVID, um, but it has also opened up the world of Zoom, right? Mm -hmm. And different ways that we can connect with other like-minded people, other like-minded interests, you know, without 
having to leave our home or you can, you know, leave your home if you want to. But Mm -hmm. um, so I think that the, the, it has opened up so much and we just have to be curious about it and, and, and try it Mm -hmm. and try it. Mm -hmm. Very much so. So with that being said, let's move into our last section, which is the myths and realities. So I asked everyone who comes on here, what is a myth that they have heard about in regards to mental health and therapy? And let's talk about what the realities of that is. So what would you say is a myth that you have heard or experienced? And this can even be the standpoint of both being a someone seeking who has received mental, mental health, as well as being those of us who practice mental health myth that we still just have to struggle with here. So, you know, I thought, I thought a lot about this and I think that the biggest myth that I've heard, I think the most impactful one or most damaging, if you will, is the myth around, I can't get better. Like this is just a part of my personality. It's who I am. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, and I hear that. And there's so, you know, and I just want to take that myth and just throw it in the trash, mm-hmm. right? Because, um, because I, th- you know, I think, you know, when we think about personality and what that really means, right? Well, guess what? Personality really just the basic of it is how you define yourself from your experiences, mm-hmm. right? It, it, our personality and our characteristics characteristics come from, you know, our emotions, our thoughts, our behaviors, our experiences. That's a large part of how we develop into who we who we are or who we think we are. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and, you know, but through brain spotting and and these modalities that help us to drop into the subcortical and the limbic system, right? We are changing, right? The, we're changing the narrative around those experiences, mm-hmm. and so that's a myth that needs to be busted, mm-hmm. right? You can change, you can heal, right? Definitely. I think the other thing that also goes into that is also recognizing that you desire to change and heal. Because mm-hmm. I think because of everything that's happened in these last several years is when I was speaking with Dr. Natalie Jones, who was coming out on Monday, Monday October 4th uh, presentation, although most of you who will be hearing this one will be hearing this probably in the no- month of November, but this was uh, October episode two was talking so much about everything that we've experienced in these last five years and the issues of narcissism mm. and the aspect of how much in dealing with a, say, a narcissist or dealing with these, the impacts that we've had, that there is a belief that there is no possibility for change. Mm. And therapy as a whole works because somebody wants to have something different, something right. to change. And as much as we can have mandated therapy and so forth, if somebody is invested in where they are in that stuckness, in that maladaptive behavior, mm-hmm. they're not going to be, therapy isn't going to be shifting them because they don't desire a change. Right. Even if it's causing misery. Absolutely. And you know that that's such an important point. Um, sometimes I think it's helpful, you know, to, to ask you know, mm-hmm. what, and I, and I had this conversation not too long ago, you know, if you were to put it into a percentage, a hundred percent, what percentage of you would is open 
right, to the possibility of change. Mm-hmm. Because if it's 2%, okay, we can work with that. Let's start there. Mm-hmm. If it's 100%, we've, you know, we're, we're going to have some challenges. But if it's 2%, okay, well, let's start around there. Because that is, is that glimmer of possibility, mm. right, that something can be different. And, and if we as therapists can hold that and help the client to hold that possibility, right, and then we can use brain spotting, right, to help build that potential, Right, then, then we've got some change, mm-hmm. right? And when you when you've experienced what you experience, and you develop these belief systems around how you see yourself, you know it is challenging. You know, is there really something around their corner for me? Mm-hmm. Mandated therapy, maybe maybe it's not there. But sometimes, even if it's mandated there still may be the possibility that that person may be holding, mm-hmm. right? Because someone else sees that you says that you have to go there, you know, somewhere in between there. Maybe there is that 1%, that 1%. Can we work with that? Can we hold that and nurture that 1% mm-hmm. in that person? So I, you know, it's not for everybody. If you cut, if it's a hundred percent, then yeah. Mm-hmm. It probably isn't going to happen because mm-hmm. that person only sees that's all they can all they can see. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's what we have to respect, even though mm-hmm. it might mean that therapy ends sooner. It doesn't have the same gains that happens. That simple fact: they may not be ready. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, um, and I think sometimes too, you know, a person may be ready. Um, And it still might feel so scary, you know, that Mm. we, you know, that they they end up terminating. Mm -hmm. And and we just, we just have to honor that, you know, that's, that's where they are right now. And just hope that somewhere in their journey, that they'll come back around, whether it's to you or to another person, but that they'll come around and that they will find that 1% of hope that's within them. Mm -hmm. So that's the thing to remember, especially when we hear people saying therapy doesn't work is like, was the person ready for therapy? Right. Was they, were they ready to have that change? And had they let go of that belief that they couldn't change? Right. Because it's scary, right? If you, if you don't know what it's going to look like on the other side. So if this is all that I know, it's all I know about myself. I only know how to be this person. Not knowing what you're going to look like on the other side is so scary. Mm-hmm. Right, I, I don't know what that looks like. That's that's scary. It's like it's uncharted waters. Mm-hmm. Right? And it's, so, go ahead. Yeah. Oh no, I was going to say, and it's easier for some people to stay in the place they know, which mm-hmm. can mean a place of destruction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that um, it does come with you know, that caveat of where, where is the person, mm-hmm. you know, where's their willingness, where's their curiosity to, to change. Mm-hmm. And if they have that, then that myth, right. That I, I, this is all I am, this is all I'll ever be. It's my personality. It can change, mm-hmm. right. Because even going back to, you know, going, when you look at epigenetics, right. All of that is, you know, around our, our, environment, our belief system, but where does our belief system come from? 
Mm-hmm. And I think on that note, we're going to go ahead and close this up. I'm remembering the statement that may is read my resma minikin in my grandmother's hands. Mm-hmm. Um, essentially, maladaptive behavior is seen a, a, in time. We can become seen as personality. Mm-hmm. Maladaptive behavior in a family becomes seen as tradition. Yes. Maladaptive behavior seen in a culture becomes identity. Mm-hmm. Yes, to share. And if the identity isn't recognizing that there can be other possibilities and change, guess what you're stuck with? Mm-hmm. Identity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I want to thank you for being here. And where can folks find you if they want to talk more and especially find out more about the BSGs? Oh, okay. So uh, I'm in Richardson, Texas. So um, you can find me on my website, butterflyeffectccc.com, or um, the BSGs are uh, at payhip slash inspire for hire. Yeah. All righty. So, folks, this has been sh- talking with Shelly Bates, the black bag therapist on Untangle and Untuff. Sorry, <laughs> slipped into the business mode there. It's Untying Knots, Minds and Spirits Untethered here on the Voice of America Network. So tune in again for our next podcast and continue to be out there and seek change. Thank you for tuning in for Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. Be sure to join your host, Perry Clark, for another episode on the podcast coming soon on the Voice America Empowerment Channel.